Greetings, my mammals. You are listening to UCC 98.3 FM, and thank you for tuning in to Too Long Didn't Bother, the show for when something is too long and you just don't want to bother, so I'll bother for you. I'm your host, Pia, and each week I'll break down some form of media, be it film, music, video games, books, whatever, into a more easily digestible format. This week, we're getting into the festive mood and discussing one of my favorite bands of all time, and one of the best ever in my completely unbiased opinion, Wham! I'll delve into how the band started, go into a bit about their creations and subsequent split and other endeavors, all the while playing a few of my favorite tracks from the Diwamic duo. I'll also put a trigger warning for any of those participating in Whamageddon, as though I've already lost you to the fact that I listened to Last Christmas like all year round. I won't have anyone losing on my behalf. Um, and I also just lost the game, sorry. <laughs> anyway, let's go-go so I can take you to the edge of heaven. So... Going back on the history of Wham, uh, it was they were a British pop duo that achieved international fame in the 1980s. The duo consisted of George Michael and Andrew Ridgely, and they played a significant role in the global pop music scene during the mid-1980s. George and Andrew met in the early 1970s when they were students at Bushy Meads School in Hedf- Hertfordshire, England. Oh goodness, English town names are just so ridiculous. <laughs> They're so ridiculous to pronounce. Um, So the duo, they were about 11 or 12 at the time um, and shared a common interest in music and quickly became friends. Um, And they also lived quite near to each other, so they were like actual childhood friends. Um, And before they became the duo that we all know them as, uh, Wham!, Andrew and George had a short-lived ska band called The Executive, um, which they performed with alongside a few of their school friends, um, which is so funny that such a like titular, iconic pop group started with ska but i guess all good things come from ska um, but with the formation of wham um it took shape as the executive dissolved and sort of george and andrew they kind of split off and were like we want to still be famous so they decided to make wham um, and discovered their mutual passion for pop music and shared a dream of becoming successful musicians uh, the name wham actually already belonged to a u.s band um, but once the legalities were sorted out, everything was fine. And this is kind of why you can sometimes hear people in the US refer to them as Wham UK if they were fans of Wham US, um, the original band. And sort of the choice of the word Wham, um, Andrew's quoted in saying that it was something that captured the essence of what set us apart, our energy and our friendship. And then it came to us Wham. Wham was a snappy, immediate, fun, and boisterous too. Um, so it's kind of just like, you know, it's it's an onomatopoeia word um, and it's kind of you know short snappy gets to the point and it really su- suits them to be honest because they were very much like you know youthful you know energetic charisma everything like that so it suited really well um, and the duo's breakthrough came in 1981 when they officially formed Wham and signed a record deal with Intervision an independent record label and their debut single Wham Rap was released in June 1982 and showcased their distinctive blend of pop and rap elements and um, they really signified the youth at the time. You know, everyone was getting interested in pop, but also rap. And it was kind of just like everything was starting. Um, and they really, you know, they broke into the scene um, with this first album, though it didn't really initially achieve widespread success. Um, it was quite popular in, it was popular enough in the UK, um, but it did lay the foundation for Wham's future endeavors. Um, so here I will now play the Wham rap in all of its, you know, groovy glory. Do you enjoy what you do? If not, just stop. Don't stay there and rock. Uh, 
said, get, get, get down. Said, get, get, get on down. Said, get, get, get on down. Said, get, get, get on down. Hey, everybody, take a look at me. I've got street credibility. I may not have a job, but I have a good time with the boys that I meet down on the line. Said, I don't need you. So you don't approve or who asked you to? Hey! So though this track didn't hit it off in the charts just yet, the duo kept creating, which led to the real turning point through their second single, Young Guns Go For It, which garnered attention and marked the beginning of their rise to stardom. The success of the single paved the way for their debut album, Fantastic, released in 1983, um, so actually 40 years ago, and so this past year there was a celebration of that 40-year anniversary um, and a re-release of the album and a few remixes as well. Um, and it contained both songs, uh, Young Guns Go For It and The Wham Rap. Um, and the album, it contains 11 tracks altogether, uh, which is split into seven songs and five remixes slash instrumentals. 
uh, because Wham, they were just really into remixing their songs, you know, uh, posting the instrumentals and stuff, which I really respect because um, personally, I like to remix things myself and it's really difficult to find the original, like either the acapella vocals or the instrumental lines for songs, especially older songs and um, particularly ones from the 80s and such. And so the fact that, you know, Wham! like re- released their official sort of karaoke version, I guess if you could call it, um, was really helpful, not just to me, but I'm sure to all of the people running karaoke booths as well. And I think I think every artist should do that, to be honest. Release your acapella vocals, release your instrumental lines. Um, it just makes our job so much easier as <laughs> remixers and mashup artists because um, you can get technology, and this is such a tangent, you can get technology um, that separates those lines, but sometimes it just doesn't sound as good as if we just had, you know, the clean original versions of it. Um, but anyway... Here's Young Guns slash Go For It um, from Wham's first album, Fantastic. Just watch your mouth, baby, you're out of line. 
That was Young Guns slash Go For It. Um, now, something I'm sure you've already noticed, um, but a lot of people don't realize is that for the most part, um, George does a lot of the like backing vocals. Um, like obviously he's the main singer. Um, Andrew, of course, was featured in that one. He says a lot of the like uh, more talking lines in that past one, and he does feature in a few of the other songs as well. Um, but you know, George, he's the main vocalist of the group, and he sings falsetto a lot. Um, and so something that's interesting to note is that um, whenever you hear a sort of like feminine or female sounding voice in the songs, a lot of the time it's actually just George doing falsetto. Um, you know, sometimes they do actually feature actual um, female singers in it, but a lot of the time it also is George. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that was Young Guns from Fantastic. And the style of the overall album is like we've heard, a blend of pop and rap, which immediately put Wham! on the map, especially considering a lot of their songs were very life-focused. Um, songs that had some like very profound lyrics hidden under their happy pop beats. Um, like, for example, that one, it's about, you know, um, the struggle between a relationship between two friends and one is like going to get married and the other one's like, what? But you're only 21 and it's like, do you really want to get married and stuff? And then it's like, oh, you know, the clashes and things like that. And it's like, but that's hid under that super groovy beat. Um, and it's like, you know, a lot of their songs are just like that. Um, we'll get on to another one um, that's kind of similar to that later. But the anyway, the most recognizable song from this particular album is, of course, Club Tropicana, which I'll play later. Uh, but the album overall, um, what that was, it was kind of like, you know, it didn't fully hit it off just yet until their next album, but it still performed really well in the UK. Uh, and my personal favorite pick from this album is A Ray of Sunshine, as this track is very airy and light, yet also groovy, and is a great example of how the duo blend danceability with lighter instrumental lines. Um, and, you know, George's amazing control of falsetto vocals. Um, so I'm going to play A Ray of Sunshine for you all now.
So that was A Ray of Sunshine, um, once again from the album Fantastic. So following that album um, and the success that happened as a result, Wham decided to get back to the drawing board and conjure up another great album. This second album was released in 1984 and titled Make It Big and was the release that catapulted them into international stardom. The album featured iconic hits such as Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and Careless Whisper. The former became a chart-topping single in multiple countries. The album contains eight tracks altogether and was a major hit worldwide as a result. The most popular song um, on the album was, of course, Careless Whisper. Um, even though at the time it wasn't too popular, um, not near as popular as Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, it's definitely more popular nowadays, like pretty much... You hear it, you know, in videos, you hear it, you know, it's kind of like it's one of the ones that matches up against, you know, the Romeo and Juliet theme. Um, when people think of, uh, you know, romantic themes in media, um, it's either Careless Whisper or it's the um, Romeo and Juliet theme. Um, but <laughs> um, although Careless Whisper was actually featured on this album, the song was an idea that George had been playing with for some time, even before the duo had released Fantastic. So there are a good few demos available um, from actually around 1982, um, before Fantastic was released, um, of the original sort of ideas and concepts of Careless Whisper. Um, from George's mind. And uh, the track, of course, is iconic, not only for its amazing saxophone line, but also George's amazing power and control over his voice. Um, so, you know, in celebration of that, let's listen to Careless Whisper. Silver screen and dark. 
song is amazing and I would let it go on forever to be honest um <laughs> but we do gotta move along um now still speaking on make it big and uh, my personal favorite from the album is actually one track that got very popular over the last year or so on tiktok um everything she wants it's a very upbeat song with an honestly heartbreaking meaning about a man unhappy in his relationship and feeling that is he is being used just for money I personally prefer the remix to the actual single. Um, the single was the one that blew up on TikTok. Um, and I prefer the the remix of it, which was released um, in a compilation album separate to Make It Big itself. Um, and it was also re-released then with the Echoes of the Edge of Heaven release that was this year. Uh, and of course, the single is the more well-known version. Um, but the remix, it's my go-to song for karaoke and was actually my most listened to song of this past year, according to my Spotify wrapped. So I'm definitely not biased in any way saying that it's the better version. Um, but anyway, here is the remix.
that song. It's just so good. It's so groovy. And it's it's really underrated, honestly. Even though it got big on TikTok, it's still one of their most underrated ones. Um, and I just I just love it. Um, but anyway, after Make It Big, Wham were more popular than ever. As a result, the two decided to branch out and challenge themselves to create a once-off Christmas single, something that would define their career and become synonymous with Christmas for the rest of history. I am, of course, talking about their iconic track, Last Christmas. Honestly, I actually much prefer the Pudding Mix remix of this track, which wasn't released until their third album, as it lets George's voice become so much more than just a vessel for lyrics. Like, he does a lot more ornamentation, you know, a lot more singing involved in it and stuff. Um, But regardless of this, um, unfortunately for Wham, the year that they released Last Christmas was just after Make It Big, so in 1984. Um, And there was already a huge Christmas hit being conceived, um, which George himself was a part of. This, of course, was Do They Know It's Christmas, a collaboration between a huge number of popular artists at the time and like orchestrated by Bob Geltoff of the Boomtown Rats. Um, and because it was such like an like, iconic moment, um, and even though Last Christmas was a really good song, uh, Do They Know It's Christmas had, took the number one spot that Christmas and ran with it. Um, and so they were basically locked in this constant state of uh, do they know it's christmas being in first place and last christmas being in second place for a good few weeks like at least five weeks um but like originally like despite the fact that uh, last christmas never topped the church the the duo donated all of the royalties um from the track and everything she wants to charities supporting those affected by the famine in ethiopia at the time um just one of the many philanthropic things that the band did Uh, But after sticking in that second spot for so long, the song didn't top the charts again until January 1st, 2021, 36 years after its initial release. So last Christmas finally got number one in the charts in 2021, (laughs) which I think is so wild. And also like, it's so funny that that year in particular was the, that was the song that everyone was listening to. Like usually when you think of it, you're like, oh, you know, it's always, uh, all I want for Christmas. Um, that's usually the one that takes the number one spot. But last Christmas, it's there, but it's never given the respect it deserves, in my opinion. Um, but thankfully, in 2021, it finally was. Um, so I'm going to play the last Christmas pudding mix. Um, so trigger warning for any of those participating in Whamageddon. Um, and for anyone not familiar with the term, Whamageddon is a yearly challenge for fans of Wham, where they try not to listen to the track uh, last Christmas until Christmas Eve. But since I listen to it all year round, I lose almost like instantly, so I'm never affected. But here's Last Christmas, the pudding remix, which is just oh, such a banger.
I love that song. Um, and I love that version of it just because it's so, it just seems more Christmassy, to be honest. I don't know. It's just, and the fact that it's called Pudding Mix as well, I love that. That's so creative. But, you know, everyone loves that song. Um, but after the, ri- the wide range of success that the duo found from their past two albums and multiple single releases, they actually finally decided to tour. They embarked on a successful concert tour titled The Big Tour in 1985, playing to massive audiences around the world, and their charisma and energy portrayed in concert was really a sight to behold and the real highlight of the entire tour. They adorned shirts with the phrase Choose Life, a shirt created to support those struggling, particularly with addiction and mental health issues, and this is really one of the iconic Wham outfits that you'll see, especially from photos from the tour um, or on albums as well. It'll be the the Choose Life shirts, um, which are actually being sold um, after this year. Uh, But anyway, in 1986, Wham released their third and final studio album, appropriately titled Music from the Edge of Heaven, which included eight tracks altogether and hits like The Edge of Heaven and I'm Your Man. After the release of this album, Wham announced their decision to disband and they released a farewell compilation album titled The Final that year, containing a few of their top hits. Uh, Michael was keen to create music targeted at more of a sophisticated adult market rather than the duo's primarily teenage audience, which was the main reasoning behind their split, um, as well as that both wanted to pursue other efforts, as most bands often do, because they'd sort of been looped into this whole idea that, you know, they were only making music for teenagers, even though a lot of the songs, you know, they have a lot of heavy topics, particularly ones um, written, the lyrics written by George Michael. um, A lot of them have heavy topics, but it's a lot you know, there's a lot of allegory, you know, metaphorical sort of things rather than just blatantly saying things. Um, but he really did want to create music that was like blatant, um, which we'll get onto in a bit. Um, the one that I've picked for that example is like a perfect example of that. But, um, other than that, um, here's the edge of heaven, um, from that, that album, um, music from the edge of heaven. Um, and it's a groovy track about engaging in certain adult activities, um, a topic Wham iconically never shied away from singing about, though a lot through allegory. So this was a perfect example of, you know, the major allegorical kind of references made in their songs rather than, you know, just blatantly saying things. So here is The Edge of Heaven.
as you can see, um, this, the title of that song in itself is, you know, a metaphor or a euphemism, I guess. Um, but anyway, after Wham! disbanded, um, George Michael went on to achieve even greater success as a solo artist, of course, producing hits like Faith and Outside. And Andrew Ridgely pursued other interests outside of the music industry. Um, he, you know, did a bit of acting, things like that. But as many of us know, George had some legal troubles in the past, having been caught for public indecency through a sting operation with a police officer posing as the colloquial term grifter, I guess I think is the right term, which spurred his creation of the track Outside, which speaks about that uh, that public indecency explicitly and his thoughts on it and, you know, the sentencing that he got, which was community service. Of course, George came out as a homosexual in a CNN interview in 1998, but it had already been largely speculated by the populace as well. And, well, retroactively looking at his past work, especially the lyrics, it almost seems obvious, in my opinion, from my point of view, that being gay myself. Like, it's kind of like, I don't know, he was kind of saying it the whole time, and we just weren't... Nobody, well, nobody was the wiser, I guess. But anyway, the track Outside was released that very year, and is full of innuendo and allegory, which is absolutely George's celebratory piece after coming out and then, of course, splitting from Wham! as well. He was able to do his own bits and, you know, like he was intending to pander to more of an adult audience, which is exactly what Outside is about. So here is the track Outside, and it's one of my personal favorites.
as you can see, that song is just full of innuendo. And I researched it again and I want to retcon what I said. The word is not grifting, it's cottaging. <laughs> so if you want to do research into that, you're more than welcome to, but I'm not going to explain what that is. But anyway, to sort of wrap up the show, Wham! remains a significant part of 1980s pop culture. Their catchy tunes, energetic performances, and stylish image contributed to their lasting impact. George Michael, in particular, became an iconic figure in the music industry before his untimely passing in 2016. Um, and the group played a crucial role in shaping the sound and style of 1980s pop music. Uh, their infectious melodies, catchy lyrics, and dynamic performances left an Undelible mark on the music landscape and their songs continue to be celebrated and enjoyed by audiences worldwide. I would recommend everyone check out the recently released Wham! documentary from Chris Smith, with which echoes a lot of the info I've said, but also has a bunch of never-before-seen or heard footage of the band and a lot more information as well as interviews, and it's just a generally good documentary as well. To finish off the episode, I'm going to play Club Tropicana to sort of like finish us off on a summary feel despite the cold temperatures at the moment. And thank you for tuning in to Too Long Didn't Bother, and I'll see you back here next week for another episode. Thank you.